0: Hey, how about those bears? Fuck the bears. Okay.
1: Welcome, everyone, to My Bleeding Ears. This is episode number 50.
0: Woo-hoo! Half a
1: century of making this podcast. Well, not a century. We're
0: like, a little over a year, more, actually. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> in
1: about 14 months. Yeah. Yeah, no, good, good, good amount of time.
0: Which means we've only skipped a few weeks. Yeah.
1: Not bad? Yeah. You know, everyone needs to take a break and yes. have vacations every once in a while. So, mm-hmm. yeah, every once in a while we like to take a vacation. We
0: do.
1: So... End of summer, pretty much. I mean...
0: Starting Saturday, I think.
1: Ugh. Good. <laughs> <laughs> very hot. I'm excited <laughs>
0: for pumpkin and hot yeah, weather. I,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm ready for all these uh, new movies coming out yes. in the fall, mm-hmm. which should be pretty cool. Especially, you know, Oscar season comes around and they kind of shit these movies out, trying to get like, the Oscar buzz and right. nominations and everything. So, yeah, they just try and... Package everything up, slap a cool little gloss and sheen on it, and be like, hey, you're going to love this movie come Oscar time. Yes. Can't wait. You know what's not going to win an Oscar?
0: The Avengers?
1: No, no. The movie we watched the other night. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, it was an interesting film to start with. You know, something that I I generally like. Uh, documentaries.
0: Yeah, well, we like to space out to documentaries about... Lots of things for me. It's usually true crime, but right. all together we like like horror or usually movies.
1: based off movies. We like documentaries. Yes, based off of those mm-hmm. or anything to do with film. This one that we did watch the other day was called VHS Lives, a schlockumentary. Schlockumentary. It's
0: available on Amazon Prime.
1: Uh, came out last year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's pretty much a two like two and a half hour film of a bunch of different VHS collectors talking about VHS tapes. Yes. I would have been all about this if it was done way better. There, th- There was no, like, intercut movies except for some personal shot-on video features from the people they spoke with. Right. But there's no, like, clips of movies intertwined with them speaking to give you a little bit of a, a sense of what's going on if you're not in the know. Right.
0: And, and they weren't even... It wasn't really kind of... It was a little bit a history of the VHS, but not as much as I thought I was going to get. Right. It was more boys fanboying about their VHS collection.
1: And that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. It, not a lot of substance there, not a lot to learn either. I was really hoping for that in this movie. It just never came. Mm-hmm. There were some cool people that they interviewed uh, Phil yeah. Anselmo from Pantera.
0: Mm hmm. He is not okay. I, he does uh, not seem okay at
1: all. He, that's how he's kind of always sounded like, though. <laughs> yeah, but <and I> <laughs> like I feel so. The whole
0: documentary was very dimly lit, but especially when they interviewed Phil and Salmo.
1: I think that was part of the documentary, though, too, was to have it kind of shitty looking, because it seems like they put filters on for the cameras they used to oh. do the all the interviews, and then some of them they used old VHS recorders or handheld cams so that's why they kind of seemed like the the lighting and everything was off and it didn't yeah that's why
0: i didn't pick up on that and i did not like it i didn't like it either now i don't like it yeah
1: it was it would be fine if it was a a few different segments and then they stopped but this was the whole movie was like that and i was really disappointed that they didn't just cut in some scenes of movies you know to really just Keep you interested and keep the film going at a quick pace. Mm-hmm. Other than there's a lot of people, a lot of interviews just keep going on and on and on. And there's nothing cutting into them. All you see is just this some asshole talking to you. You know, I can get right. I can get enough of that on YouTube. You know.
0: Yeah, and I don't even think they delved in enough to mm. what what VHS did for. I mean, for anything that you could watch, you used to have to go to a theater to see a movie. Now you can watch. Movies, I mean, any asshole can put something on a VHS and sell it. Right. And I felt like, I thought they were going to go more into that, just how we were just bloated with movies and TV right. and after-school specials and workout videos, and it just never went there.
1: No, no, really never, it never did. So, yeah, it was a little disappointing, especially since there's are a few other VHS documentaries much shorter than this one. Yes. That's... Dive a little more deeper into it. and Of course, you see more fans showing off their collection, which is really cool. I mean, yeah. I like to see other people's collections.
0: Mm-hmm. Mine I mean, is nowhere
1: near that, but... <laughs> yeah,
0: there were some impressive collections. And Phil Anselmo's was one of those. He oh, yes. it was just that one... It wasn't just the one room he was in. He said it was, it was just one of many rooms. Many rooms, yeah, yeah,
1: right. That would be like me if I was rich and bought action figures. I would have just rooms. or yes. Probably a whole house.
0: Someday when we win the lotto, honey... You get your
1: own floor. Or if I become a, a a very like famous director like Guillermo del Toro, where he bought like two or three other houses <laughs> to where he can store <laughs> all of his shit, like all of his books and everything. So yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's
0: verging on hoarding, Guillermo. Well,
1: I'm sure his regular house isn't full of stuff. He just yeah. probably, well, nowadays, it is. I I read that he got divorced last year. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. well... Or it, it Maybe it's not sad. Maybe they're, sad. Really happy, <laughs> Maybe they're happy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so he uh, has a couple couple of his own houses. That he just stores all of his shit. Wow. Wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get back to him. We will get back to him. Um, but yeah, well, Eventually. I give
0: this movie C C-minus, the documentary. Uh,
1: pff, I give it probably a C C-minus also. Yeah. Wasn't too thrilled about it. Kind of wasn't all that. <laughs> Agreed. Our movie of the week this week is the 2006 Guillermo del Toro directed film, Pan's Labyrinth. This,
0: it's every ten episodes, I get to pick the movie.
1: Right, so So. this is Jessalyn's pick, not mine. Even though I'm a way bigger Guillermo del Toro fan than she is.
0: I wouldn't say way. No, you know I would. Yeah, (laughs) I would,
1: yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) Uh, This is del Toro's sixth directed film. Mm-hmm. And it's his first nominated for an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story takes place in Spain, five years after the Spanish Civil War. An 11-year-old girl, Ophelia, travels with her ill, pregnant mother to a military outpost occupied the, the Francoist regime, headed by a current stepdad, Cap- the Captain, or Captain Vidal. Uh, the narrative intertwines with Ophelia's mi- mythical world centered on an overgrown, abandoned labyrinth and a mysterious fawn creature with whom Ophelia interacts and the real-world resistance to the Franquist Captain Vidal and his supporters. Ophelia is told by the Fawn that she is the lost princess of the underworld, and to reclaim her throne, she must complete three selfless tasks.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Our characters are Ophelia, who is Mm -hmm. the 11-year-old girl. Her mother... uh, What's her mother's name? I forgot.
0: Her mother's name is Carmen.
1: Carmen, right, right, right. Uh, She's pregnant and really ill, so that's why she's... um, Oh, a little bit of backstory about Ophelia and her mother. Her father died in the the Spanish Civil War, Mm -hmm. and her mother ended up hooking up with the the man her husband used to make suits for because he was in the military. And she hooks up with him after he dies, and she gets pregnant by him, and he has to go off to battle. So during her pregnancy, there's some complications, and he wants her by her side. So that's why... Her and Ophelia are traveling to, like, a, um, like, this outpost for right. the, uh, for the, uh, whatchamacallits.
0: I think, well, it seems like World War Two. I mean, it's No, it's,
1: it's during it's World War Two. during World War Two. Uh, well, the Spanish Civil War was fought between the, uh, like, kind of, like, the religious people and the monarchists versus the, like, the Republicans and the commies. The uh, Axis powers ended up supplying the um, the uh, uh, military all of the, like the, like some of their weapons and everything, right. while the Allies were asked kind of not to help the rebels and, and the, the Republicans. So that's why they're kind of at a war. Even after like the the Spanish Civil War, there's still rebels throughout the nation who are against uh, the, the president Franco. Right, who ended up you know reigning for over so the 70s, like thirty the years, 70s, right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, it, it's pretty much like uh, uh, the army versus the rebels of this movie. It's the Star Wars on a smaller scale, maybe. I guess, mm-hmm. on the
0: IRL. <laughs> yeah, in in real
1: life, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why they travel and they meet up with the Captain Vidal. Mm-hmm. We also got to meet the uh, the the doctor who's going to take care of uh, Ophelia's mother carmen dr
0: ferrero
1: dr ferrero and mercedes is kind of like the caretaker of the of the manor that they have there the the whole base so she cooks or she assists in cooking the meals and making sure everything's uh going well taking place in the correct order and people are getting the correct rations but she's also a part of the resistance along with the doctor
0: right she's on the
1: inside yeah she's Mm -hmm. the spy because mm-hmm. her brother is like the re, uh, the leader of this resistance around the camp to where all these, all the military is. Mm-hmm. So when you first saw this movie, when when did you first see it when it came out?
0: I saw it in the theaters. Yeah, at the Landmark Century Theater. Actually. Oh, right. there were only three other people in there. One of them brought their baby, like baby. <laughs> And after the first couple of scenes, I was already annoyed. But then after the first couple of scenes, one of which is the most upsetting scene I think I can think of right now, I could not believe that they brought their baby to yeah. see this movie. But yeah,
1: yeah. I, I kind of think of that anytime anyone brings a baby to a theater at all. True, D- doesn't matter what the movie is. Yeah, <laughs> unless it's like one of they have those mother like uh, like eleven in the morning. Some theaters will have like mothers come in and they can have their babies and. Scream as loud as they can and watch whatever movie they missed, you know. I think that's kind of cool. I didn't know
0: that. Yeah. It sounds like a living nightmare.
1: <laughs> well, if you're a mother and want to go out and watch a movie yeah. and, you know, take your kid with without other people bitching and moaning about that's it. That's true. I.e. you and me, then go to one of these early times and go see Pan's Labyrinth then. Yeah, and I guess. Not annoy me. I don't give a fuck what you take yeah. your kids to see. Because I, I I saw Aliens when I was six, so whatever. Yeah.
0: That's not what I'm... Well, that is kind of what I was saying. But <laughs> that you just brought this... I mean, baby, like, sitting up could definitely see and was watching mm-hmm. all the horrifying things that I was watching. So, yeah, I guess I was kind of saying that. Right. At least when you were six, you could sort of process yeah. what you were seeing. Yeah. exactly.
1: What did you yeah. think going into in this movie? What did you expect, and did it, did it give you what you were expecting?
0: I had no idea what to expect, I think I knew from you that this was the guy who did Hellboy, and I right. liked Hellboy. Wait, when did Hellboy come out? What before was it, it? it yeah. was, yeah, it was right? a, about totally.
1: a year or two before Pan's Labyrinth came out.
0: And so I think I was kind of curious about it, um, and I went to movies a, a lot by myself around that time. It was when we lived in different cities, yeah. Right,
1: yeah. So, I saw it alone also. hmm
0: in the theaters, yeah, in the yeah. theaters.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. I'll go see movies alone. Who cares? You, I kind of like it. Sometimes. Yeah, I
0: can weep openly, and
1: I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. All right, uh, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going around in this movie. Yeah, uh, it's I I really love how throughout the the film the the fantasy world that Ophelia seems to be making up is blending in with the with reality and some of the same Mm -hmm. themes are are intertwined
0: absolutely the i'm sorry no keep going please yeah well i was just gonna say uh, mercedes there's definitely mercedes is kind of an adult mirror of ophelia there Mm -hmm. are three trials like you said that ophelia has to go through that the the fawn puts her up to um and even before that starts. Uh, she asks Mercedes do you believe in fairies and Mercedes says no but I used to when I was your
1: age Uh, and then there are those
0: three parallels of the three trials there's the key Ophelia in the fantasy world finds the key in her first trial at the same time that Mercedes gives a copy of the key to the shed where all the supplies are to her brother there's the knife Ophelia gets the knife from the pale man and everything starts going to shit because she eats some food and he chases after her and Mercedes keeps a kitchen knife. It's a big thing. She rolls a kitchen knife into her apron. She always, Each, has, always that has a knife, knife on, her, right. on her. And around the same time, for Mercedes, everything starts going to shit. Right. Um, she frees herself from Vidal and slices them all up with it. And kind of like, Ophelia doesn't injure the pale man, but she does get away from the pale man and gets that right. knife. So. And then the third one—it was the selfless act, where I guess we're gonna—I'm gonna ruin this whole movie. Yeah, now. we're
1: gonna—you know what? From it, it, 12 yeah, twelve years ago. Exactly. Yeah. We're gonna spoil this shit up. We spoil walk... everything in this show anyway, so you yeah. You, but I yeah.
0: did want to walk through it. I feel bad that we're not walking through it
1: now. Oh, we are. We're still kind getting of. to it. We're gonna get to it. I just wanted to get some of your your yeah. points here, but yeah, we're gonna get into the movie.
0: So the the third one is the the real selfless act, where the fawn says they need. So, long story short, there is no Ophelia's mother anymore, but her brother did survive. Spoilers. Right. Um, So she takes her brother to the labyrinth, and the fawn says that she needs to shed her brother's lo- uh, blood in order to open the portal, and she refuses to do it. Right. So that's the selfless act. Ophelia refuses to shed her brother's blood to open the portal, and at the same time, Mercedes has gotten away from the El Capitan, but she comes back to save Ophelia when she did not have to
1: Exactly. Yes. Wow, I never really thought of it that way. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Look at yeah. you, reading in between stuff there. Seen this movie a couple of times. <laughs> You've seen it more than I have, I haven't you? I think I have, yeah. I, I think Except I've seen it <laughs> about four or five times I've seen it. Okay. I think, think I've seen it more than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as
0: far as I'm concerned, this is Guillermo del Toro's
1: masterpiece. I, I agree with that. It, yeah. And this movie... Not just his masterpiece, it is a masterpiece. It's, a masterpiece.
0: <laughs> it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen in my life. And I hiccup cry every time. You said last night, it's getting better for me. Well, it right. never gets better for me. I, you had to leave the room so I could calm down. And I had to sit in the theater so I could calm down. I leave. <laughs>
1: so Ophelia finally makes it to the camp. Yeah. And she loves books. She's a very adventurous child. Loves books. Yes. As much as Oprah loves bread, she loves fucking books. Fantasy, yes.
0: (laughs) Fairy tales.
1: So, she starts... And you, as an adult watching this film, it's in your head the whole time that she's kind of making these things up. She's created this fantasy world for herself. Mm -hmm. So... She, start, she thinks she's starting to see fairies, which are actually kind of like praying mantis-looking it's insects.
0: Big, gross praying mantis, yeah. Which
1: they're interacting with her still, mm-hmm. until they change into fairies, and then the fairies lead her to this labyrinth that is on the compound, and she meets the fawn,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, who is isn't actually Pan, but that's just the whole... Because this movie's called something different in some other countries especially Spanish speaking countries it's the um, the labyrinth of the faun yeah
0: it's like labyrinth of faun right yeah
1: like and mm-hmm. so pan really didn't translate yeah or faun really didn't translate into English so they, they made it into pan which is more of like a, a Greek mythological creature which can kind of you know give you a better basis than what a faun character is right so she ends up meeting the faun and he gives her the task and the first one is to was to get that key from this frog that's in this mm-hmm. dead rotting tree. And she goes there. Well, um before she goes to meet and, and get the key from this frog in this tree, her mother buys her a very very nice dress Beautiful. <laughs> that
0: she made her. Made her herself, she she right? She made it. Yeah.
1: Which ends up getting destroyed because she's in mud and everything and just yeah, it rains well, she, and it looks she, like shit.
0: Yeah, she hangs the dress up when she gets into the goes into the tree. And she comes out all muddy, and then the dress has fallen. And it's yeah, it's all, kind of it's
1: all muddy. the shit. Yeah. And she gets this the key from the frog. Eventually, it's a really mm-hmm. gross one. He eats all like these bugs and roaches and yeah. burps and stuff. It's all this slime. I, had, I heard that uh, Guillermo del Toro actually did the sounds for the frogs. <laughs> <laughs> gross,
0: Guillermo.
1: So she gets the key and goes back, and that's when um, the, the captain is going to have a dinner for all the different kind of like. Business owners and uh, some, like, priests. Right. Some of, like, the bigger names around this this encampment in town. All people who swear allegiance to this monarchy are there. Mm-hmm. And, and, except, you know, of course there's people in that dinner who are, are spies. Right. And Ophelia, of course, is very dirty and she doesn't get to eat. And, then, you know, she her mom's really pissed at her. And there's all these people at this dinner who are judging her mother, too. Because she was, uh, I don't know, just kind of like a, a simpleton in a way and right. um, the captain picked her up and he's he's a very cold shitty guy
0: well he's, <coughs> it's clear he's not interested in her right he's sure that he's going to have a son that's all he that's really wants. He wants yeah
1: and this captain guy he's a real he's a really he's a real bad dude <laughs> that. No, and there's a scene before that this dinner where they think that they caught well his his uh, subordinates think that they caught a couple of uh, of rebels, or, or republicans, as they would call them. Yeah. And they're accused of being that, so he ends up killing both of them. They swear one, that
0: they're rabbit hunters. Yeah, yeah. they swear
1: they're rabbit mm-hmm. hunters, and he doesn't believe them, and they don't even check their papers, really. So the captain, one of the guys talks back to the captain, and the captain grabs the butt of his gun and bashes the dude's face in. It, just unmercifully, too. And it's very, very graphic. They don't shy away from that, and there's a really good reason why. Because... They really, really have to show you how horrible the captain is yeah. and how unredeemable this character is and will be throughout this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just that gore that i watched it once in the theater and I've never watched it again. And when we were going to do this for my movie of the week, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to do it. I couldn't do it. Even hearing it. Because the worst part isn't the gore. It's the, the sound. father. It's the sound. And the father just starts to freak out at his son being... Yeah. His face just get crushed, yeah. <laughs> gets crushed in. It's horrible. So, yeah, I don't have to see it again. I remember it vividly. It's like what I wrote... Like, you know how you watch a scene in a movie and it kind of changes who you are? Like, (laughs) a little piece of you dies. Like, I can't remember my first taste of peanut butter or how it felt because that piece of me died when I watched this scene. (laughs) That's how I feel about this scene. I can't. I can't let any more of me die.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know it's not real, right? No, I can't. I can't. from there on, Ophelia has her next task, and it is to open this, with the key that she acquired, is to open this um, box in this kind of like dungeon where this creepy dude is with all, Mm -hmm. like, he has this table full of beautiful looking gelatins and and grapes and all this fruits. fruits.
0: Played by Doug Jones, who also plays the fawn. We didn't
1: say that. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doug Jones, of course, uh, he does a lot of work with Guillermo del Toro he was Abe Sapien did some other different characters in uh, Hellboy Mm -hmm.
0: uh,
1: was like John Dies at the end he was also in
0: yeah one of the weird alien guys
1: right and he um, he does a lot of kind of just like uh, physical body work but actually when he took this role the fawn he wanted to be also the, the voice of it too but he didn't know Spanish but he learned Spanish from the makeup chair while they were putting everything on, because they were going to be like, why don't you just do it phonetically? And he's like, you know, I'll mess it up even more. Just try and let me learn Spanish here, then we'll, we'll see how that works. Unfortunately, it didn't end up working, and wow. they got some other voice actor to do overdub the voice.
0: I was going to ask you that, because I Googled it, and I couldn't find it, whether that was his voice. No, or his it wasn't. It doesn't sound
1: like him at all. No, no, yeah. it doesn't, no. So she, the, the fun tells Ophelia, once you get into here, don't eat anything at this this uh, this guy's table, right. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the man we're talking about, the very pale man with, like, a big gut, but the rest of his body is really skinny with his mm-hmm. legs and his arms and skin's just hanging off him. Mm-hmm. He's has no eyes except for the ones he has on his table that he grabs and he can put it in his hands so he can see. Mm-hmm. So Ophelia goes into this dungeon and opens up the box and is about to leave, and even though she's been told not to eat anything from this table... She ends up eating something from this table, and mm-hmm. the pale man comes alive and eats a couple of her escort fairies that she has. Yep. And they're even there; they're telling her, "Don't eat it! Don't eat it!" And the pale man ends up eating these fairies, but Ophelia ends up getting away though with the the dagger she obtains from the locked mm-hmm. box. Now, the pale man is a representation of Catholicism, from what I read.
0: Oh. It's
1: uh, it's saying that because Guillermo del Toro's. Was brought up Catholic, and he very strict Catholic, and he hates Catholicism. Real lie, he said it on, on very many occasions. Now,
0: it's uh, not a good organization. No, it's
1: not the best. And he was saying that even though he's got a table full of food, he still wants something that isn't on there. He still wants something else. He wants children. Ugh. So, Yeah. <laughs> so that's even. Wow. Yeah. I which, but I
0: totally agree with you now.
1: Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool seeing that. And after, and after reading about that, I'm like, wow, that does that tells you a lot right mm-hmm.
0: there.
1: So Ophelia escapes, gives the dagger to the fawn, but the fairies kind of, they narc on her and tell the fawn, like, hey, a couple of our, our friends died. She ate from the table. Fawn gets pissed off and says, okay, you're never going to be this princess in the underworld now. Fuck off, kind of, you know. yeah. And right after that is when her mother dies giving birth to uh, her her brother
0: right. So Ophelia puts a mandrake in milk underneath the bed, and the mother actually improves. She starts to get better, but Vidal, uh, capitan Vidal finds it and throws it away, and then all of a sudden the mother goes into labor.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. She has sick right away after mm-hmm. that. Shortly after that, she passes away, and Vidal has his son now. Mm -hmm. That's right around the time he finds out and figures out that uh, the doctor and uh, Mercedes are both uh, spies. Moles, yeah. Actually, he kills the doctor right before... Uh, Carmen starts to go into labor. So the, the doctor can't even help anymore because he's right. dead. Yeah, cause he blasts he, him.
0: He asks for an army paramedic. Yeah,
1: that's like, all kind of he can like, get. Yeah. And so that's why then she ends up dying. and mm-hmm. He finally has his son. He confronts um, Mercedes about um, being a spy. and He locks her up, but she gets out. Stabs him a few times, yeah. cuts his, his, slices part of his face off. She
0: uses the knife to cut her binding. <laughs>
1: she
0: stabs him in the back and like rips his shoulder with the knife, stabs right. him in the chest. Chest. And then says, What does she say? Well, she's got the knife in his mouth.
1: I forgot what she, said, but it she says, but was something awesome.
0: Something like, I've, I've, Slit pigs like you before no. <laughs> yeah, he just rips his mouth open. It's amazing.
1: That's what my mouth feels like whenever, like during the summer, I have one of those squeezy pop things. You know, those you put in the freezer and those, and they're flavored, and you put them in your mouth and they're sharp and they kind of like cut the, the the corners of your mouth. That's what I feel like after like four of those. <laughs> so, so she the-
0: gets away. She runs out into the woods
1: and the army chases her but the rebels are there and they end mm-hmm. up killing most of the army and they run back and tell the, the captain that hey they're they got away and we don't have very many men left and they're probably going to start attacking us pretty soon so mm-hmm. we're kind of fucked let's you know see what happens from here and the fun act, the fawn actually comes back to a failure and is like all right i'm going to give you another chance Get your brother and meet me in the labyrinth, and then you'll be princess again. And mm-hmm. that's when all hell starts to break loose. The captain sees Ophelia steal the baby, and he chases her into the labyrinth.
0: But she has drugged, drugged him. His, yeah, sorry. Yeah, she Go drugged ahead. his drink, mm-hmm.
1: so he's all out of it. He can't see shit or anything, mm-hmm. really. And he ends up finding her in the labyrinth right after she has met with the fawn, and the fawn's like, hey... Like you've said earlier, give me the baby. I'm going to just spread a little bit, you know, just give it a little little, pinprick. And she was like, no, I'm not doing it. And the, the captain shows up, takes the baby, shoots Ophelia, and she starts bleeding over the labyrinth. And she's still alive, though.
0: But in the whole time, well, for me at least. This movie opens with a narrative about this fairy tale of a princess who disappears. Mm -hmm. And uh, the king looks everywhere for her and can't find her. So up until this point, when El Capitan walks in and she's talking to the fawn, you see things from his perspective and you can't see the fawn. And up until this point, I wanted to suspend my belief like this really is a fairy tale movie. Mm -hmm. It's a fairy tale movie and it's going to end just fine. And that's the moment that you realize for sure
1: that it ah Incorrect, actually. Oh, go ahead. Del Toro has said that this movie is a fairy tale and that the fawn and everything does exist.
0: But Vidal can't see him?
1: No, because he's fucked up, right. Ah, okay. That makes sense now, because you have to think that Ophelia, after escaping with Mercedes, because Mercedes and Ophelia try to escape after the death of their mother... Mm-hmm. They get caught, and that's when uh, Mercedes gets captured, and then she breaks out. But Ophelia is locked away in her room, and there's no way out of there. But yet she gets out of there somehow.
0: All right. Good. And, that's yeah. what I want.
1: And so, she, well, um, the fawn gives her chalk, and she's able to outline doors on walls mm-hmm. so she can go through. And she ends up doing that so she can capture her brother. So that's a big, big thing right there, because how else would she get out? Okay. And plus, with Guillermo del Toro, why not? Fuck it, make it a fairy tale. This no. doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a, kind of a down ending in a way.
0: I I agree. I still think it is. I'm glad that he really thinks it's a fairy mm-hmm. tale. And, you know, it's his movie. So right, yeah. Like exactly. But that was a turning point for me right there. Like, oh, no, this is all reality. Mm. So good, I'm glad I was wrong.
1: But, but you're not necessarily wrong. Because any movie, you can have any thought you want about how about what it means Mm -hmm. for the longest time i believed that total recall was not a dream
0: oh and i always thought it was
1: and it was a dream Mm -hmm. and it was a manufactured dream because there's a line in that movie saying oh blue skies on mars that's a new one and even and i listened to the commentary too for total recall and even the director said yeah this is a dream Okay. So yeah. <laughs> you can decide that but, it yeah, but, but yeah, But at the same time, yeah, I, I kinda like to think that, you know, these movies like that will give you know, whatever you think it is. Yeah. Whatever you just determine how it ends or, or where these characters went.
0: That's okay. great. Once you show your art to the world, right. you can interpret it however exactly. You want. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how I interpreted it.
1: Hey, which that's, is why yeah. I pick up
0: cry at the end of this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a lot of cool things in this in this film too, a lot of uh, differences between characters. Uh, especially Ophelia and the captain. Like, Ophelia's colors in wherever she is are very light and kind of golden and very circular, uh, different, like, shapes out there. Very Mm kind of rounded. Very, you know, not sharp at all. But with the captain, his, like... It's very gray, very dark and dull and very straight and Mm just...
0: Symmetrical. Symmetrical.
1: (laughs) It seems like a lot of his... Uh, his whereabouts are symmetrical in a way
0: okay
1: well, that's kind of cool I like that yeah. the the transitions between the fantasy world and and reality are really cool too how they just kind of flow in and there, there's really nothing just making knocking you out of the movie at all going okay, okay. this is the next scene this is the next scene it flows in perfectly mm-hmm. del Toro did the English translation himself because he was very unhappy with the Devil's Backbone, because his dialogue wasn't transitioned very well from Spanish to English when he did that film. So he's like, you know what, I'm going to do this one myself. (laughs) And then, you know... uh, Yeah,
0: because he has a good understanding of both languages.
1: Exactly. So Mm -hmm. I really, I kind of thought that was cool. He put that extra time in there just to make sure every little piece in this puzzle is perfect and fits in perfectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just... Like you said earlier, this movie really just wants to make you believe that this is real. And you want to so bad throughout the film. And, hey, I guess it's just how you take it.
0: So, yeah, the very end. So, he finds Ophelia. He takes her brother away. Shoots her in the heart. Yeah. And then walks out of the labyrinth. But when he walks out of the labyrinth, all of the rebels are waiting for him. Right. And he knows that he's screwed. Yeah, So, Mercedes takes the baby. She hands it to her brother, and he says... There was a story before about a general who gave his son a watch. Actually, actually, he, it's
1: his his father gave oh, him yes. his father.
0: Okay, I'm sorry.
1: Because his sorry. father, Captain Vidal's father, was a very, very famous commander in, mm-hmm. before him.
0: So he was always in his shadow. Yes, right, you right. right. So he said, tell my son that his father died, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he holds up the watch, and Mercedes goes...
1: Your son's not even gonna know your he name. <laughs> Shoots him in the
0: cheek and like his eye goes all wonky really? and he dies and it's awesome. Yep. But it's too late for Ophelia. They get to Ophelia in the middle of the labyrinth and she is I Or maybe mean, it was
1: right gonna... on time, actually. Alright. <laughs> when we get to the reality ending,
0: she's yeah, she's definitely going to die and then go ahead with the fantasy ending.
1: But then, if the fantasy ending, she actually did the right thing, and she's going to live forever in the underworld, happy with her parents.
0: Right, so she, sees, she f- sees her, she's back with the king and the queen, the fawn comes out from behind him and says, you did it, you passed the test, the last selfless act, not shedding an innocent's blood. Right. And then that's the mega happy ending, except the real ending, <laughs> the ending ending, they come back to Ophelia, and she's dying, and she kind of smiles...
1: And then and that's then it. And then
0: she's dead. And Mercedes is singing to her and holding her. And I'm yeah. crying all night.
1: Like, no! I
0: can't. Ugh, cannot handle it. So sad.
1: 33 kills in this movie.
0: Yep, yeah, well, I'm not surprised. Yeah, there's a
1: lot of them. A lot more than I thought. Because there's a few battle scenes. and mm-hmm. Some of them were kind of hard to count. But I got it. In yeah. there. I did all right. Mm-hmm. No breasts. No penises. Nope. Pretty clean cut in a way. Favorite part? The ending, of course, is my favorite part. Oh, it's yeah. just very; It can be very happy or very sad. It, it depends. Or it can be how both. depends on look at it. It mm-hmm. depends on the, yeah, exactly, how you look at it. I like to look at it now on the fantasy side, especially since that's the way Del Toro wanted it, So, or, yep. or how he meant for it to be, especially with those little clues he left around. Especially the part where, how did she get out of that locked room? Like, There's yeah, no way okay. she could have gotten out of there. She had to have drawn... Because they made a point for when Mercedes goes to rescue her to go to that room, she sees that there's that chalk outline on the wall of the door she made. Okay.
0: So, I love it. No, I love yeah. it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's some other small little things, too. Like, um, there's a part... There's different like uh, artwork in the film, or just different um, or just uh, parts of the house... That represent different things. Like, there's a banister with the fawn's face on it. Like, in the movie. (laughs) Like, you can see, yeah, it's pretty weird. And just, like, these small little things that he put in the movie. It's just amazing.
0: I guess I just thought, we're, we're seeing this whole movie from Ophelia's perspective. So, I don't know, I guess those little details, I thought, well, that's how she's seeing this.
1: Well, no, they make... Well, like I said earlier, they make a a point when they transition the things. You know how they they stay with her and it's fantasy, and then there's reality also. Mm-hmm. So when you're you're shown this reality with like the characters of the Doctor and Mercedes, who really don't interact with Ophelia because Ophelia right. really only interacts right. with a couple people sorry, in this movie. Ophelia's really,
0: Ophelia's perspective and Mercedes' perspective.
1: When you see... Yeah, that's that's true. You, mm-hmm. Those are the two main perspectives you get to see from. And that's a, that's a cool little thing that you said, too, about how they mirror each other, they even do. though yeah. one's young and one's an adult. So mm-hmm. that's... Wow. I really never saw it that way. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you can kind of see why those little hints would be in the Mercedes part of the story as compared to Ophelia's. Okay. Maybe, maybe just little hints here rather than the full-blown fantasy world. Right. Your favorite part?
0: The Pale Man. Yeah, there he's awesome. There are very few things that scare me. Like, not scare me in the theater, but it's the middle of the night. I live alone. <laughs> I just go to the bathroom, and I'm thinking about the Pale Man. He scared the shit out of me. He's very scary. That's my favorite part. Just
1: don't take his food, man.
0: Yeah, I know, and, and I still get like mad when the fairies <laughs> are freaking out. Like, don't eat the grapes, and she's like, "Get out yeah, of here!" These
1: grapes look like those were good-looking grapes, <laughs> though. They're, they're, they're big grapes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still
0: not worth your fairies getting eaten for, but
1: yeah. What grade do you give this movie? A plus. Same here. Yeah, no doubt about it. This is this movie is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. There's there's no other way to say it. I I, I love this film. Me too. It's one that I really can't watch way too often, though. It's not one I can just throw on. Well, one because of the subtitles and everything. I don't know Spanish.
0: Right, but yeah, but also because it puts you in a purple funk for a little while, right? At least it does me.
1: No, not really. Uh, This isn't my favorite Del Toro movie, which is it should. It totally should be. Seeing as I'm gushing over this film, my favorite Del Toro movie is actually Blade Blade (laughs) Two. So, <laughs>
0: I had to say it with you because I know you know you know it, <laughs> which is a great movie.
1: It is. I I love Blade 2, but that's a movie I can just put on whenever, yeah, Anytime. time. I can just throw that on background, foreground, wherever. Like, that's just... I can't do it with this movie, though. Yeah.
0: No. Well, yeah, because we don't speak Spanish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to add before we close this up?
0: No. Yeah, A-plus, I thought you were going to ask me or make a joke, because it's one hour and 59 minutes. Yeah, it was close, man. So it almost just got to be an, plus. An A-minus. A- yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> not,
0: I don't, this movie if it had been like two hours and one minute two hours and 20 minutes i don't care a plus beautiful
1: a plus pan's labyrinth if you haven't checked it out in the last 12 years i think you should do it now great movie yeah. probably one of D- uh, del toro's best works all of his works are pretty good at the very least yeah except crimson
0: peak maybe?
1: crimson Peak. See, i didn't hate crimson peak oh, i thought it was okay I, I think people were just expecting something and then didn't get it.
0: That's true. I was. It's not a horror movie. It's like a gothic love story.
1: No more trailers for me. I'm not watching trailers Good. anymore. Good call, yeah. Ugh, ruin it. Stop. Anyway.
0: It's available to rent on Amazon Prime. Larry got mad at me because we have it on I, DVD.
1: I, I know. She does this all the time. <laughs> I have these movies on DVD, yet she buys them.
0: It was, I didn't buy it. You rent it.
1: I'm sorry. You cents. spent money on it <laughs> that we've already spent money on.
0: I spent 99 cents.
1: It adds up, though. (laughs) Ah.
0: So if you got 99 cents in an Amazon Prime account, you can watch this movie right now.
1: Even if you own the physical copy, too. Why not? (laughs) All right, thank you guys for joining us once again, and we will check you out next week for episode number 51.
0: Thanks for listening. All
1: right, take it easy.